my witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 35 of the Comfy Cozy Witch Podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. Again, thank you for being with me today. It's been about three weeks since I did an episode, and if you remember, in my last episode, I was on my writing retreat, and I talked about getting, you know, our children involved in our practices, and I've had a number of people reach out over the last, I would say, two or three months asking me how they can enhance and expand their practice a little bit. So that's what I decided to talk about on today's episode. What we can do, excuse me, what we can do to expand and enhance our craft when we are ready to move kind of from that novice beginner, which really, I mean, we're all we're all beginners in some area, I think, <laughs> all the time. But when we are just ready <clears throat> to broaden our witchy horizons a little bit. So before I go into that main, main segment, I want to tell you what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. But before I do share what's making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy, there is one more thing I want to do. I just want to do a quick shout out to all of the Mugwort level Comfy Cozy Witch Patreon subscribers. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all of your support and for being members of my Patreon. So a big shout out goes to Alex, Alyssa, Amanda, Kaylee, Carrie Ann, Kefira, Devin, Edie, Elizabeth, Emma, Felice, Heather, Hope, Jade, Jenna, Jessica, Joanne, Katie, Katya, Kayla, Leilani, Lydia, excuse me, Marissa, Mirandia, which how beautiful is that name? Sarah M, Sarah the Science Dork, which I love that so much, Stephanie, um, and Stevie. So thank you all. Thank you all. And thank you to all of my Patreon subscribers. Again, you can check that out at any time, patreon.com slash comfy cozy witch there are four different tiers and your support would be so appreciated so let's talk about what is currently making me feel comfy cozy and witchy and I I don't you know this isn't in the current moment this is something that happened a couple of days ago and don't we all need something comfy and cozy to cling on to right now especially with um, the news that has been breaking in the United States Uh, with the leaked Supreme Court justice document. But I'm not going to get into that because that doesn't make me feel cozy. In fact, I was going to record my podcast episode on Tuesday, but have just felt very upset and overwhelmed and so put it off until today. But moving on, let me just say that I went on Sunday, this past Sunday, which was Bealtaine, which was Beltane. I went to a pagan Beltane festival celebration, I guess. I don't know if it was, it wasn't really a festival. It was a celebration, just getting together with fellow pagans and celebrating. And it was such a magical experience. And that's what I want to talk about in this particular segment. So there is an area in Pennsylvania. Um, It is a park. It's called Columcile Park. And uh, monolith, it's a monolith park. And so it's also known as the Stonehenge of Pennsylvania. 
and they have beautiful rock formations. There's 17 acres of wooded land and trails, a meditation, spiral, um, labyrinth. It is, I mean, this is just a beautiful, beautiful place. I've taken my family there a number of times. When I was homeschooling my son, we would spend time there. And it's a little bit of a drive. It's not too far, but it's a bit of a drive. But we would spend an entire afternoon there just walking, listening to music, talking, uh, taking lots of pictures of nature, and just being in the middle of this gorgeous, gorgeous monolith park. So for years, this park has honored the Sabbaths. And, you know, I really need to do more research on it because when we moved here, I knew about it um, and we had visited, but then COVID hit and I hadn't gone back in a while. So I do need to sit down and really research the founder of this park because I all signs are pointing to the fact that he is a witch <laughs> because of just the way that the Sabbaths are celebrated and the ritual that goes along with these celebrations that they have. Like all signs point to yes, I would say. So they they host during, you know, the, the turning of the wheel, they host these celebrations. And because of the dreaded COVID, they had shut down all of the celebrations. They weren't doing them. And we moved here literally two months before the, the first lockdown. So I had never had the chance to experience one of these celebrations, but they've just started up again. So I attended my first one at that particular site and it was, it blew me away. It was even better than I anticipated. Um, when I first arrived, everybody was within the monolith circle and you had, um, uh, the, there were a, a few men and women who were opening the circle, who were opening ritual and just um, talking a little bit about the history of the park. And then they went into calling in the quarters and we all faced the the directional elements, the directions and you know, just, oh, I, I can't, I can't even begin to describe how powerful it felt to have, you know, 120, 130 of us there in this ritual space, connecting with the elements and connecting so much with nature. And if you have been to larger festivals where you have group ritual, then you know what this feels like. You understand what this feels like. And I have not felt this in quite some time because of COVID. Um, and also because most of my life, my practices have been solitary. So we, they opened, you know, the celebration and there were people dressed up in all sorts of garb. You had people with their flower crowns and I had my flowers, of course, in my hair, um, the flower crowns and you had the May Queen in this beautiful green dress you had um, Artemis, a woman who was portraying Artemis there, and she had this beautiful owl mask. And the green man was there. So there were players. Almost there was this pageantry to it, a little bit of a pageant, um, which, you know, I totally appreciated, especially for those 
who were attending this festival or attending the celebration who weren't pagan. Like this was also a learning opportunity for some people. So then what happened was we started in the circle and then we journeyed around the site. We journeyed around the sacred site. So there is a pond on the premises. So first we traveled to the pond where we met the Lady of the Lake. We met Danu and she gave a prayer and a blessing and talked about um, the fae folk. And it was just really, it was just it was just so touching and beautiful. And then, and there were all these little children. There were kids everywhere. Oh, I'm getting interrupted for a second by my son. Oh, he said he's going to be super quiet. What are you getting? A piece of paper? Okay, he's going to, this is what, ha- you know, when you listen to my podcast, it's authentic. I'm helping my son. He, he's getting paper for some sort of project. I'm not sure. Okay, there you go, bud. See ya. So... We started with Danu, then we journeyed on and we met the May Queen. And again, she had beautiful spoken words. And then we moved on and we met the Green Man. And we met, you know, a few other characters. We met Flora, we met Fauna. And it was just such a great celebration of spring, early summer, a great celebration of Beltane. And then, of course, we all ended at the Maypole. And it was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 feet high. I'm not sure how many ribbon, maybe 25, 30 ribbons streaming from it, I would guess. And they invited all of the children to come up, grab a ribbon and weave, you know, for the Maypole. And there were live musicians there playing. One of the men back in the 90s had written a song for Beltane specifically for this site. And he comes with his violin and he plays it every year. Well, obviously with COVID, not the two years prior, but every year. And it's just, it's meant just for that day in that specific sacred space. And oh my gosh, the children were smiling and laughing and we all were smiling and clapping along to the music and just watching the the coming together, you know, of the maypole. It was just, it was so beautiful. And then we went back to the monolith circle and people were invited to share poetry, to share song, to dance. And so there were people that came prepared with their, I mean, some of them brought, it looks like some had their books of shadows with them and they were reading passages. They were reading prayers. Um, other people, oh, he needs tape now, everybody. He needs tape. Here's a, here's a stapler. <laughs> I have a stapler that might have to work. Look in the drawer in the kitchen, buddy. And so, we, there were people coming in and out of the middle of the circle and per, make, performing. And there was this group from the Ukraine who performed and you had a woman speaking and then a translator. And then they did this beautiful dance with music and everybody joined in and held hands and went about in the circle. Like we all held hands and danced around in a circle. And it was just Amazing. I can't even begin to tell you how amazing this was. I am still thinking about it. Days later, even after all the upset that this week has brought, I can still think back to Sunday 
and a smile immediately comes across my face because it was just such a fun experience. And I cannot wait to see what festivals come up. I mean, I'll definitely, if I'm in town, I, I can't remember what's going on this summer, but I'll, I'll definitely attend Midsummer and Lunasaw and, you know, especially Mabin. I, I'm curious to see what each celebration will bring in this space. And I can't wait. And I can't wait to get to know some of the people who were there. Um, I went by myself. My my son had a play date, so my husband stayed behind to take him. And I went by myself. And I mean, next time my family will definitely join in with me. So I'm looking so forward to that. Okay, so that is what currently is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. And if you if you attended any celebrations for Beltane, I'd love to hear about that. Message me, um, email me. I know that there are many that go on across the country. And I feel so fortunate to live close enough to such a sacred site that, that hosts these big gatherings. So anyway, let's move on to the main segment. Okay, so today I want to talk about expanding and enhancing our crafts. And I think this goes really well with my episode I did. I don't know, what was it, two or three episodes ago where I talked about getting out of a rut when it comes to our magical practices because I think trying some new things and expanding our craft a little bit can help us get out of those ruts. So It does play off of that episode. And I know so many of you really like that episode. I think I received more emails and messages about the getting out of a magical rut episode than any other episode in a while. Because I think many of us were kind of in a lull in our practice and just needed little ways that we could reconnect. Um, So when it comes to expanding your craft, I think first we need to ask ourselves Um, are we okay with where we are in our practice right now? And be honest with yourself. If you are in a good rhythm, you're in a good flow, you like where you are in your practice, then that's great. Stick with it. If what you are doing is working for you, I think it's fantastic. But if you are looking for ways to go a little bit deeper to expand that practice, if maybe you've been You've, been, you've considered yourself a novice or a beginner for a little while, then he's trying, my son is trying to come back in here. Oh, he's doing magic tricks for me, I think. You'll, but hey, in a little bit, buddy. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> so if you are ready to get past what you would consider a beginner, because in many areas, we are all beginners in our practice, then I have a couple of tips for you today. And I have some ideas that you might want to consider. So the first thing, and this is something you know, I come back to over and over again, is to read some new books to branch out. You know, if you, you love, let's say, for example, working with candle magic, and you've consumed all there is to consume on (laughs) candle magic, maybe reach out and and find something new (laughs) to read. Um, Something that you've maybe never tried. Maybe you haven't made astrology a part of your practice, or maybe you haven't worked with crystals, but you'd like to learn more. Read some books on that. 
you know, go to your local library, go even to Barnes and Noble. You know what I like to do, grab some books at Barnes and Noble, leaf through them, see what interests you, um, <clears throat> but reach out in those areas. And this is something I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I've done when it comes to working with crystals. I've always known the basics of crystals and working with them in my practice, but I never had incorporated them into my workings. Well, my the basic stones I have, but I wanted to learn more. So I went out, I grabbed more books, I started reading about crystals, I started journaling about crystals, and we'll talk about journaling in a little bit, and that has enhanced my practice and really expanded my practice because now I have go-to crystals that I have really connected with that I take with me (laughs) anytime I leave the house, anytime I do ritual, anytime I do spell work. Um, And that's something I maybe wouldn't have done a year, two years ago in my craft. So read new books. I think when it comes to expanding our practice too, in regard to books, most of us are constantly reaching for books with the word witchcraft or pagan or magic in the titles. And I challenge you to read beyond that witchy section that you find at your local bookstore, at your Barnes and Noble, at your library audiobooks. Go to other sections in the library, go to other sections in the bookstore. If you want to expand your practice working with deity, don't go to the magical books about deities. Maybe go to the section on mythology. Read the folklore. Read the myths that go along with particular um, pantheons and dig in there. Um, Religious studies. Maybe look at the history of of paganism, you know, in Christianity to learn a little bit more about that background. You're not going to find that in the witchy metaphysical section of your of your library. Um, same with the myths. You're not going to find that in the witchy section. So step step out of that witchcraft book box and find other books that relate somehow to your practice, but that you don't find in that section. And I think that can really expand your knowledge and can expand your practice, especially if you're understanding where a lot of it came from and the history behind it. Um, So those are a couple of things, you know, read, read some new books. And I always say read, 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 but I also always say, but practice, practice, practice. You can only read so much. And although you may have consumed 200 books on witchcraft or history, it doesn't mean that you're actually practicing if you are not practicing. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for reading, but you need to take what you read and apply it to your practice. Another, another way that you can expand your witchcraft is to begin looking deeply at your spell work and how much of your workings you borrow from other people versus how much you've created yourself. And I urge you to challenge yourself to create your own spells and create your own rituals. And, you know, there are so many excellent practitioners out there who have written rituals, have written spell works, Um, that are easily accessible to you and to practitioners out there. And they're fantastic spells. 
But I urge you, if you want to expand and enhance your own practice, start writing your own, or at least experimenting with your own, or take someone else's spell that has been tried and true and that you know has worked and change a couple things, adapt it to suit your needs, change it a little bit, change some of the wording, change some of the tools or ingredients that are used and make it more yours than theirs. I think there's a lot of power and a lot of growth opportunities in our practice whenever we can start creating the magical workings ourselves. And there, you know, there are a couple books out there on writing spells. You can find, I'm sure, videos and blog posts and websites that can help you. I've seen templates, like there are templates that you can use if you want to do, you know, like a template. But I do urge you to try to do this on your own. Um, because that really is a great way to expand your practice a little bit. So again, work on your own spell work instead of relying on others or borrowing for others, which I just want to reiterate is not a bad thing at all. I'm just talking about if you want to take it to the next level. Another thing that you can do, and I'm just going to pause this. I'll be back in a second because I believe my son really needs me. (laughs) And I'm back. I took a little break uh, this morning. It's now, what, seven hours later. It was so cute because this morning, my son kept coming into my office and interrupting because he wanted to show me magic tricks, which was really cute. And he knew that I was going to be recording. So, you know, as much as it could have been frustrating, it was actually <laughs> very sweet because he has, he's really into magic. And... Yes, he's into my kind of magic to an extent, but he loves stage magic. He loves doing his own magic tricks and card tricks. And so he came in because he was looking for tools to do some of these tricks. And so after I'm done recording, I promised him that we would try to find the black rubber bands that he needs and something else. But I digress. So let's jump right back into where I ended this morning. So ways that we can enhance and expand our craft a little bit. So the next suggestion would be to work with the elements in a new way. I think when it comes to magical workings, when we think of, for example, working with fire, we think of working with fire in the form of candle magic. So, and, and maybe you are doing the same types of spells over and over again using candle magic. And one thing I think that has been kind of a detriment to being able to really expand upon witchcraft and personal witchcraft has been TikTok. Although, you know, TikTok and other social media forms Although you can get a ton of inspiration, what I tend to see, and I'm sure you've noticed as well, are the same types of spells being done over and over and over again. So I frequently see the same taking a candle, dressing the candle, doing the same sort of spell work over and over again. 
whenever I, I've seen, um, oh gosh, now a truck is going by. Wow. There are so many interruptions today. I can't believe Reese isn't barking right now. She seems to be okay. But, you know, I've seen a lot of the same candle magic spells over and over again. And I urge you to look farther than TikTok and do either a little bit of reading or reach out to other practitioners through social media and, you know, ask them what they're doing in the form of candle magic or working with fire. I mean, we just had Beltane and there were many things that you could have done with fire during that Sabbath. But if you're if you're always working with fire, maybe change it up a little bit. Start working with earth a little bit more or play around with air. I know personally of the elements, I do not use much water in my practice at all. I mean, whatsoever. I don't use water when I'm cleansing, consecrating, I'll use water. I've made, of course, moon water and I've charged water to use in my tea. But sitting at my altar, doing spell work and and crafting, I don't typically lean on the element of water too much. And so, you know, I'm challenging myself, I guess, right now to integrate more water into my practice and really try to connect with that element. I use a lot of fire. I use a lot of earth. Yes, air, but I need to work on water. So that's a place where I can expand my craft a little bit. And I urge you to try to do the same thing, to play with the elements a little bit more if your practice has gotten stagnant or you just want to enhance or expand what you're doing. Another thing, and this might sound sound silly, No, it's not going to sound silly. I think a lot of times when people want to expand their craft, they feel that they need to get new things, to buy new things, to find new tools. And actually, I find it's quite the opposite. To really challenge yourself, challenge yourself in your practice, don't go out and buy any new tools. Don't go out and purchase new herbs. Use what you have use what you have, learn how to make adaptations. And I think that when you are able to know, hey, I don't have X herb here with me, but I know that this herb would make a really good or this flower would make a really good substitute. We're in essence, really honing in on our craft a little bit. We're tapping into prior knowledge. We're tapping into what we've learned over the course of weeks or months or years and or decades even, and able to make those accurate substitutions. So use, use what you have. There is so much focus on the aesthetic part of witchcraft, which I've talked about ad nauseum, I feel like on the podcast. There is so much about the aesthetic, especially with in the age of social media, that we forget we literally have all the tools that we need. All the tools are in our handbag and at our disposal right now. You can sit where you are listening to this and you could look around you. You could look around you and find items to use in a, in a quick spell or a little ritual. 
You don't need to go out and buy certain things. And this is especially true when you're reading a spell and it says you must, you know, use this herb at this time of day during this moon phase. No, you don't, A, you don't have to follow that. And B, you can use the tools that you have. So a way to challenge yourself, and I really think when we challenge ourselves, we are enhancing and expanding our knowledge and our craft. So when you challenge yourself to use what you have, your practice is just going to get better. Another thing is reaching out to others. And this might be stepping out of your box a little bit, especially if you've been a solitary practitioner. One way to grow in your practice, or another way, I should say, another way to grow in your practice is to reach out to others, make connections. And if you are in the broom closet, you can easily do this on social media. But reach out to others and ask them how they use X in their practice. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples um, for me. As you know, I have always <laughs> been home and hearth, comfy, cozy. I like working in my garden. I enjoy my sacred altar space. I like comfort. I do like routine. And over the years, two things that I never really got into were astrology and crystals. And I've said this before, astrology and crystals. So I never read books on them. I've never, I never really tried to integrate them into my practice. However, lately I thought, you know what? I want to expand my craft a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty good with this area, this area, and this area, but I don't know much about astrology. I don't know much about crystals. So I had my first big astrological chart reading done not too long ago. In all the years I've been practicing, I had never had this done. And I thought, you know, you know what? Now is the time. So I had my chart read. I reached out to friends when it came to using crystals, friends who I know that use crystals in their practice on a daily basis. All of their magical workings, they are using stones. So I reached out to them for some guidance. Uh, as you know, I attended the festival, the Beltane Festival. And I feel like that has brought, or that has expanded my knowledge of, of Beltane, of Beltane a little bit more. <laughs> Even though everything they were, they were saying as we were going through that journey, you know, journeying on the grounds, I had heard before, I'd known, I'd read, I'd discussed at length with people before. It was a new experience that opened my eyes a little bit more to that particular Sabbath. And in turn, expanding my craft a little bit. Oh, here he is again while I'm, while I'm, you may play your Nintendo. Yes, go ahead. He's giving me the thumbs up. Okay. But attend festivals. So I guess that kind of goes with <laughs> stepping out of your box and getting out of that comfort zone. And again, that's something, oh my gosh, that's something I've done the last three years. I had... I had my witchy account on social media. I had a witchy account for, I would say, probably seven years. And Instagram, I'm talking about Instagram account. Of course, way back in the day, I had my old handles and usernames on the Vox forum and everything. But I, I started the Instagram a while back. And it was after I left teaching that I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more. And that's when I started my Comfy Cozy Witch account, which, as you know, has grown so much. I've met so many amazing people. And because of that, my practice has only gotten stronger. Preparing for my podcasts, or <laughs> let's be real, not preparing sometimes and just talking, has made me a better practitioner. So stepping out of my comfort zone has helped my craft exponentially. The connections I have made, the practitioners I have met, um, the books I've been introduced to, the knowledge that I've been introduced to in just the last three years alone has been amazing because I chose to step out of that box. And I'm not saying step out of the broom closet and declare to everybody, hey, this is who I am. I'm a witch. Yay. Um, but what I'm saying is just take some baby steps, step out of that comfort zone, go to a festival, go to a pagan con, go, go reach out to that that person on social media who you look up to, because that could open the door for your practice as well. Okay, I'm rambling today, but I know you like it. Another thing I urge you to do if you want to grow in your practice is document things. Journal, document your the changing of your craft, if, if you're just trying out something new like me, like dabbling more in crystals, every crystal that I would purchase or even find, I would hold it in my hands. How did it make me feel? Um, how does it feel in my hands? So I have a notebook. It's my little crystal notebook <laughs> over the last couple of months that I've really done a deep dive with these crystals. Which ones are resonating with me? more than others. So I'm really getting to know them. I'm researching, I'm learning about them, I'm reaching out to other people. So I'm taking the initiative to do that to better my practice and to add this additional element to a practice I always I, I already thought was pretty darn good, but as we know, we all can grow, we all can get better. But journaling about those crystals has been amazing. Journaling every day even if it's two or three sentences that helps you grow as well because you can look back and reflect and you can see your growth and you can almost chart the trajectory of your practice, the ebbs, the flows, when you're in a good groove and you're just soaking in all of this new knowledge and applying it. Um, and then you can also see, okay, what times of year am I not doing as many magical things or spell work? Do I want to change that for next year? Let's think about why. Let's go internal. Think about why is there this lull at this time? And did I need that? Maybe you did need that. So I think just looking back, reflecting, writing, journaling can most definitely help you in this. Um, another a small way, and this is, I guess it's really not a small way, but this is something I think all of us can do to grow in our practice is to, well, obviously get out in nature, get out in the land surrounding you, no matter if you're in a rural area, if you're in sub suburban area or an urban area, learn about the land, learn about the history, learn about the, learn about um, who was on your land before settlers came to the United States. Um, there's a really great website where you can see 
what um where different Native American tribes were in the United States. And um, oh, what is that called? So I was able to research and get to know the indigenous peoples from my land. And, and that just kind of, although you might not think that relates to your practice, it absolutely does. Because if you're out there working with the herbs of your land and, um, the nat- what naturally grows here, <laughs> the native plants, the native flowers, the native herbs, it all goes back to the indigenous peoples. So learning about your land, learning about what grows best, learning about the flora and the fauna in your land, and using that, using those in your practice, I think that connects you to your practice more. It connects you to the land spirits better, which in turn helps you grow your craft this okay, so this next one too is interesting. Um, I I was just thinking about it actually after I came home from dropping off my son off from school this morning, and so I jotted it I jotted it down in my notes. Another thing you can do to allow room for growth and to enhance your practice is to declutter. Declutter. Get rid or donate or do a swap, even if you want to, of tools, of books, of even decks that no longer serve you. Because if we're clinging on to some of these items that just kind of have stagnant energy, that's not going to help push our practice forward. And don't replace them with new things. I'm not saying declutter, you know, donate books, donate tools, give away decks, and then replace them with new ones. Although a lot of us want to do that, myself included, I'm raising my hand, I know you can't see it. Try your best not to and see what you can do without those tools. Again, coming back to use what you already have. But when you can declutter, it just allows a better headspace when your space is clear, I know me personally, I just feel so much better whenever I have a clean, clutter-free zone to do my work. And I also know that there are many people like me who if my altar is a little bit too busy or if my office is a little bit too cluttered, I'm not going I'm not going to want to work there. And I will avoid doing magical workings or sitting down for my morning journaling and ritual because it's just a little bit too messy and it's driving me insane and I can't deal with it. So I'm just going to leave my office, shut the door behind and deal with it later. So I think decluttering and really thinking about what we need and what we actually use in our practice can help enhance our practice. That's just, again, my opinion. I'm trying to think of anything else there I mean there are so many things and again message me with your ideas I had oh I had brainstormed this morning about to again grow a little bit in your practice to challenge yourself I think it really comes back to challenging yourself a little bit is to play with the time of day that you do your spell work and you do your rituals I'm a, you know, I'm a morning person. I do my morning ritual. I've done it for years. I love a good morning ritual. Most days I'm able to, to do that. And it can take anywhere from five minutes to an hour and a half, sometimes even more. But I've always done it in the morning. So play with the time of day. On Monday, 
I decided, or was it Tuesday? It may have been Tuesday, whatever day we didn't get rain, because we've had a lot of rain here. I think it may have been Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, not morning, Tuesday afternoon, I took, I have this like little purple bin that I picked up at Target. Um, and I put in a book, a deck of cards, my journal, my AirPods, my phone, just as a little carrying case, a candle. And I took it outside to my outdoor sacred space. And in the middle of the day, I did a nice tarot reading, a nice little ritual. Typically, I would have done that in the morning. Or if I would have forgotten in the morning, not forgotten, but didn't have time, I'd, I'd get to it the next morning. But I was like, no, I'm going to go out there. It's like one in the afternoon. Maybe it was two. I can't quite remember. It doesn't matter. But it was in the middle of the day. I went out and it felt so nice to be outside and doing some witchy work in the middle of the day. It was sunny. It was like 65 degrees. There was a slight breeze. I could connect to the land spirits. I brought out um, my one of my fairy decks and it was just so lovely. And I'm so glad that I did that and didn't just say, oh, I'll just, I'll just do some, I'll touch base with my magic tomorrow. No, I went out in the middle of the day. So play with time, the time of day. And then when you do that, write down how you feel after doing ritual or work or just touching your practice in some way, shape or form at that time of day? How did it make you feel compared to maybe when you typically do your work? I do not do a lot of work in the evening, but I need to challenge myself to do that. That will only help my practice. I might find that, you know, maybe four years ago or the last, let's say the last five years, I haven't done a ton of work in the evening, but I may find if I decide to do work in the evening again, that man, this is a great time of day for me. This this works for me right now where I am at this point in my life. So you have to play around with it. I think it all comes down to playing around and not getting too comfortable, not getting stagnant, continuing to challenge ourselves. Because if we aren't challenging ourselves and trying to grow, I think that's when we have those lulls and that's when we feel a little bit disconnected. I do know too, though, trying to do too much all at once can also have you feeling the same way. So it is finding a really nice balance. So I hope that all of that was helpful for you. So again, just to reiterate, I'm just going to go through quickly ways that you can enhance, expand your craft a little bit, try out new books, not necessarily witchy books, find new books. Um, oh, in fact, I can tell you about this. I found a book today. I went to Barnes and Nobles. I stopped in Barnes and Noble. Of course, my favorite place in the world. Let me grab it. And I found a book. It's um, called The Witches. Not in the witchy section, but it is by Stacey Schiff. And it's Suspicion, Betrayal, and Hysteria in 1692 Salem. So it is um, by a Pulitzer Prize winning author. And she is a nonfiction um, author who has researched in depth the Salem Witch Trials. And I was like, you know what? I want to read that. I know a lot about the Salem Witch Trials. I used to teach the Crucible, for goodness sake. But I want to read another book about this. Again, not in the witchy section, but going back to this. So read new books. Write your own spells instead of relying on others. Play around with that. Create your own sigils instead of, of borrowing others. Those are ways. 
Play with the elements a little bit. If you work with one element, try out some other ones. Use what you have for your practice. Don't go out buying a whole bunch of new tools. I, I truly believe the best practitioners that I know do not need a lot of tools to do their work. Um, so declutter, that goes along with that. Declutter to allow room for some of this growth. Attend festivals, reach out to others, journal, journal about all of your experiences. If you haven't yet started a book of shadows, I recommend that you do that. Again, it's completely up to you. There are some people who journaling is not their thing. I totally understand. I have a great witchy friend who despises journaling, so they don't do it, and that's fine. But you could challenge yourself and try. Um, learn about your land. Connect with those land spirits. Um, play with the time of day that you do certain things in your practice. And then, oh, I didn't say this one, but try out new herbs. I think we get, you know, I know I fall into this too. I love my rosemary. I love my lavender. Um, I love my rose hips. I love things. And they do all grow in this area. Um, which is really nice. I have easy access, my garden sage, I have easy access, as, access to these things. But branch out and try to work with different herbs that have the same correspondences. Like step out of that comfort zone. And then of course, the biggest one is step out of the comfort zone <laughs> to challenge yourself to grow. So I hope these tips were useful for you. I hope you can take some of them and apply them to your practice to enhance and to expand and to grow. And if you have any other, you know, items that you want to add, feel free to email me, let me know, and I'd be happy to share them. So yeah, let's move on to the card of this week. Since my son continued to interrupt this whole episode, I let him pick the deck. And he picked my fairy blessing cards. So I will be pulling from that deck today. And this is a lovely one. It's, it's by Lucy Cavendish. I love Lucy Cavendish. She, she writes about the fae quite often in other elementals. Um, and she has some really beautiful decks out there. And she has a couple books as well. So let's check these a little bit and see what message comes to us from the fae. Okay. And we have a blessing of the green and you have this beautiful green fae with um oh my gosh all these different tones and hues of green in her wings and she has it looks like a vine vine wrapped all around her body it is just so beautiful i love the illustrations of this too so let's go to a blessing of the green okay so the fairy gift of the green energy of the fairies So your own fairy blood is summoned and stirred. Oh, I like this. I've never actually chosen this card from this deck. So thank you. Yay. The green is the flowing, life-bringing energy of the forested world, of the ancient ones and their loving kinship with the land. When you are blessed with the green, you too are taken into the memories of the world so that you understand that you are a part of her and that a blessed life is about to, is about coming into relationship with the green energy that flows all about us when we connect with the realm of fairy. It is said that those beloved of the fae have green auric fields 
wear green or have green eyes, ooh, which I do, (laughs) that they have about them this gift of the green, and they are children of the fairies as much as they are humans. You have received this blessing so your own fairy energy, which lies within you, can be stirred and summoned and rise to expression so that you can come back to a sense of being akin to the fairies and an ally to the natural world. When this blessing comes to you, wear green, encourage the growth of growth of plants, care for animals, and tend to the flowers. Consider making a simple offering to the fae and your blessing will be threefold. I love this card and although yes, this is a collective read for my listeners, this resonates and really hits home with me. Because the last two weeks or so I've made, I've really been connecting with the Fae and my land and my local land spirits. And I've been doing a lot of offerings. I mean, with with Bealtaine, with Beltane, just a couple days ago and the veil being so thin, it obviously makes sense that this card was chosen as well. But, you know, I love that considering consideration of making a simple offering, honey or milk or cream or a sweet bread, or a piece of muffin, you know, something that you can leave them for offering, even water. I love that this card was chosen. And, you know, this just reminds us again, to take this time of year into consideration, at least I know I do where I am, where I live, and really encourage the growth of those plants. Get out, get your hands dirty, get in your garden, get to know the land. Yet again, if you live in a city, find a way that you can connect to greener spaces. Um, This also reminds us to care for the animals, you know, care for them, acknowledge them, listen for them, sit quietly wherever you are, outside, inside with a window open, and acknowledge those creatures, the creatures of the land. And then, of course, tend to your flowers. No matter where you live, you can have flowers, allergy, allergy willing, because I know I've been struggling a little bit with my allergies. But this is a great reminder, um, especially on the heels of Beltane, we're in that Beltane season, and it's all about the land turning green and the the coming together of energies to make the land green and just being very much aware of that. So, wow, I'd say that was a lovely, a lovely card ending to this episode. But before I go, of course, I do want to give a couple more shout outs to some people who have uh, left some reviews on Apple Podcasts. So thank you to Mrs. McGonagall's sister. (laughs) You love the conversations and you like um, the music choices from some of the other episodes. I need to do another episode of that. Maybe some of my favorite music selections during the spring and summer months. And you just really are enjoying the podcast. So thank you so much. Peter814. Peter, thank you. This podcast makes you feel comfy and cozy and you're a newbie. So this is a great intro to all things witchy. I'm so glad you're getting a lot out of it. Um, and thank you for your kind, kind words. Stella May, 1215, you love the podcast and you like the, in- you think that content is interesting and fun and you obviously don't mind my ramblings and it makes you feel comfy, cozy, witchy. So thank you, Stella May, for those kind words. The Wandering Witch, 
Hello there. Thank you for your kind words. Um, I'm so glad that you find this calming for you and for your practice. And yes, you know, there are other, you mentioned about other podcasts having negative undertones. Although I don't, as many of you know, believe in the toxic positivity, I do try to remain upbeat about the practice and focus on how we can encourage and help one another and not get caught up in the drama and some of the negativity that is floating out there. Um, and you're looking for Witchlings cards. I love that. Um, I was I was actually going to pull from that deck today, but my son, he got to choose. So, so be it. And it was the perfect card pull. Um, Sierra Ray. Hello, Sierra Ray Reviews. Thank you. You're a witchy mama. You love the podcast. Um, it makes you just feel so good. And you listen to it at work. I love this. So thank you so much. Cassandra Ann, you are also newer to the craft, but you find the podcast has really helped you. And you love like diving in and researching even more after all the episodes. So thank you so much for those kind words. I really do appreciate it. Oh, and you do say, don't get me wrong, I like the sassy ones too, but you do like the comforting podcast as well. Oh, and the UPS man is looking at my dog, so I think I need to go out and get them, which actually, I think those were all of the new messages. And if not, I'm going, I will, I will definitely do a shout out next episode. But until next episode, well, I guess I should say, if you need to find me, you can find me on Instagram, of course, my Patreon, patreon.com slash comfycozywitch. You can email me, um, find me through the Fit Witch Challenge. But thank you all for listening and stay comfy, cozy, and witchy.